0: Hi, I'm Jordan. And I'm Chris. We love film reboots.
1: (laughs) Uh, maybe some of them.
0: I find your lack of faith disturbing.
1: We love reboots so much, we've decided to make a podcast about them. You can do it! Every week,
0: we'll dive into a different film and its reboot.
1: It's alive! It's alive! It's alive!
0: We'll talk about the pros and the cons.
1: We came, we saw, we kicked its ass.
0: And at the end, we'll decide if the reboot holds up. You had my curiosity. Now you have my attention. This is The Reboot Rewind. And welcome to another episode of The Reboot Rewind, the podcast all about movie reboots. I'm Chris. And I'm Jordan.
1: Jordan, another week. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. I am very excited because you know I'm a huge fan of the Western genre, your absolute favorite. I'm kidding, by the way, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, welcome to the show. Every
0: week we talk about two movies, uh, typically the original version of a film and the reboot. We'll go back and forth, talk some pros and cons, and see where we are at the end of it. So today, we are talking about The Magnificent Seven, the version that came out in 1960, and the reboot from 2016. So we'll start with some movie facts, and I'll throw it over to Jordan for the story. So The Magnificent Seven came out in 1960. It was directed by John Sturges, produced by John Sturges. The screenplay was written by William Roberts, and it was distributed by United Artists. It stars Yule Brenner as Chris Adams, Steve McQueen as Vin Tanner, Horst Buschultz as Chico, Charles Bronson as Bernardo O'Reilly, Robert Vaughn as Lee, Brad Dexter as Harry Luck, and James Coburn as Brit. Now Jordan, over
1: to you for the story. The bandit chief Calvera and his gang raid a poor Mexican village for food and supplies. After the final raid, the Mexican villagers decide they need to protect their land and learn how to utilize weapons and fight back. Three villagers ride into town, and they meet a veteran Cajun gunslinger by the name of Chris Adams. Chris agrees he will help the villagers to protect their land, and later finds a drifter by the name of Vin Tanner, Britt, the knife expert, the stubborn shootist, Chico, the traumatized veteran, Lee, and the professional, Bernardo O'Reilly.
0: All right, well, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, Westerns, here we are. Jordan, what do you think about the original Magnificent Seven?
1: (laughs) Well, it's funny that you say that this is the original movie. Technically, it is. But not many people know that this is not the original version of the Magnificent Seven. The original movie was actually a movie called The Seven Samurai that came out in 1954. That's where The Magnificent Seven got its inspiration from. It's almost identical. It's a very similar storyline. So, uh, yes. Now, Chris, I know you're not a fan of the Western genre, but myself, I love it. I love Westerns, right? One of the things that I noticed when I started watching this movie was the music, the music that was composed by the great. Elmer Bernstein. Now, uh, if you guys are not too familiar with the name Elmer Bernstein, uh, if he doesn't, if that if that name doesn't ring a bell, he did classic movies like *To Kill a Mockingbird*, *True Grit*, *Cape Fear*, *Airplane*, and my all-time favorite *Ghostbusters*. Uh, this movie was was pretty good. I didn't love it. Like I I, uh, I thought I was gonna hate this movie for some odd reason. I don't know why, but something was telling me that I was gonna despise this movie. But I certainly did not. This movie. Wasn't too bad. I, I find I did find myself enjoying all the characters, especially our Cajun Gunslinger. He was the leader of the seven. Chris Adams, I thought he was great. I thought Steve McQueen was great. I really like Charles Bronson in this movie. Now, I have no idea, Chris. What are your thoughts on the magnificent seven?
0: Oh, westerns. So <laughs> I, I think my, my my disdain for westerns is pretty clear at this point. But to surprise you, I actually like this oh, in wow. a really strange way. <laughs> I actually enjoyed this. I actually liked it better than Django, I'll be honest. Wait, 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 which Django? The original, sorry. The oh, original. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. The reason being, in my opinion, the story in Magnificent Seven is more easy to follow from my perspective. It's very more, it's very straightforward. I think it's more action-packed. Like, I overall, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was amazing. Like, again, I, I'm not a big fan of Western films, but I was surprised by how much I like this like overall like I, I would definitely watch it again not something I would watch anytime soon but if it was like on TV or if, if I was bored maybe I, I'd watch it at some point but yeah I mean I was pleasantly surprised I enjoyed it I think the characters are great uh their their interactions the music was phenomenal I love the music It was, it's like fun westerny to typical what you would expect for a western but that's what makes it really good uh, but yeah I was pleasantly surprised this was a really good movie
1: wow I am in shock that you actually enjoyed this movie because going in, I just assumed Chris is obviously going to hate this movie because clearly the Western genre is not for him. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I, I liked it myself. I didn't think it was great. But it, it, this movie does have some replay value. I'm not going to say that I will buy this movie on iTunes. Probably not. But if this movie is on Netflix, I'll definitely check it out.
0: So about that, let let me let me get in my little gripe here. Oh, we had to pay for both of these movies, unless you found the other one somewhere else. I had to pay for both of these. And I'm like, okay, the first one I expected, because again, I always expected with older movies, it's going to be hard to find anywhere that's not iTunes. Now, the second one, or the remake, I, I thought it'd be like on Netflix or something that's available. Like, nope, you got to rent that too. But that's my little gripe about that. Sorry, continue.
1: I just assumed that the remake was going to be available on one of the mo- one of the existing platforms that we pay for i.e. Amazon Prime or Netflix and, and whatnot, or even Hulu. But yeah, I was a little bit disappointed that I had to rent both of these movies. But I wasn't too upset for the first movie because at least we enjoyed it. One of the main reasons why I love this movie was the overall story. I love how this movie starts off with a savage Mexican gang, and they decide to raid this poor Mexican village for food and supplies. That alone spoke speaks volumes to... The characters themselves because there's something poetic about a village of poor mexican people in a time like this where they're just trying to live their life and protect their land but unfortunately they do not know how to protect their land because none of them are are, are mercenaries nobody knows how to use a gun all they know is that they're trying to survive and unfortunately they're Mexi- These are Mexican gang members who decide to take over the land, but the leader, his name is Calvera, he believes that this is the right thing to do. He believes that in order to survive, he has to take their land and their, well, not, not their land, but just their food and supplies. I thought that was really douchey of him because he's also Mexican descent, just like everybody who's living in that village. So that was a little bit, unfortunately, disappointing, but. That's what makes a movie so, so intriguing.
0: No, absolutely. And if you think about the very basic premise of the story, just think about it in very basic facts. You have a a village of people who are not fighters and not warriors, to your point, uh, who are being taken advantage of by a group of gangsters. Right. And then they enlist the help of an outside party to help them push them away. When I was thinking about the story in this in that very simple way, I thought about other mediums and other things that they've used this exact story in 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 a different way. So I don't know if you ever ever watched the Clone Wars, the Star Wars cartoon series, but there is an episode in there where there is a village of uh they kind of look like um like like monkeys or some sort of creature, and they're the they're they're a part of a village that is being uh about to be attacked by the the, uh, the separatist army, which are a bunch of droids, and Ahsoka and Anakin Skywalker end up on the planet, and they become the third party that helps them defend their own village. So, th- yeah, as you watch other things, whether it be movies, TV, or a book, or a comic book, um, just think about that, because this specific story has been retold so many times, and I always think to myself, you know, there's always got to be an inspiration somewhere. When Like, when I watch an episode of The Clone Wars... And like this, this probably where they got it from, because uh, what's his name? Dave Filoni is a huge Western fan, and it would not shock me because he's also the producer of the Clone Wars. It would not shock me if he used this as as inspiration for that episode.
1: George Lucas, for those you don't know, George Lucas is creator of Star Wars. He was heavily influenced by the Seven Samurai. That's where he got Jedi from. So the Jedi are essentially the samurai. So yes, this story has been told many, many times, but that was certainly heavily influenced by the Seven Samurai storyline because you can definitely see the inspiration and the comparisons. The thing is, Calvera, he's the the main leader. He's the main big bad in this movie. He just tries to justify his actions. No matter what, he just truly believes this is the right thing to do. And it's out of pure ignorance because... You're taking what doesn't belong to you from your own people. And I should be, obviously, if this was a movie like, maybe like a Christopher Columbus story, it's obviously pure ignorance. But it's even more ignorant when it's done by your own kind. And uh, it's even more frustrating because some of the villagers were willing to accept the fact that this man is stealing their their belongings they're like oh well he's just stealing some of it so I, I guess we should give him the benefit of the doubt he's not taking all our food he's just taking some of our food and no that's that that's that's not how that's not how it works
0: yeah so you just remind me. so there's that scene i think you were probably referring to where the the a lot of the people in the village are meeting up and they're talking about what's going on and you have half the room that's saying no we have to fight back this is our stuff this is our land we have to fight for it then you have the other half of the room going. Well, you know, it's not so bad. They're only taking certain things, and you know, they're not really hurting anybody as long as we give them what they want. So it's 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 an interesting dynamic to see those two go back and forth, and seeing that the side that wants to fight eventually wins because they're able to go and hire the mercenary who builds his own team. It's it was unfortunate that you had. You know, one group who's they're the same kind of people trying to terrorize their own people, really, by taking their stuff and pretty much
1: using them to, to, to live. I feel like this is how most humans would react to, to a certain situation like this, because they are. I'm sure, Listen, I'm sure there are a lot of people watching this movie who can see themselves because they're the people who are not willing to fight back. Those are the people who are just comfortable. They don't want to take that risk and fight and protect their land. As opposed to uh, as opposed to other villagers, they're like, you know what? F that. We're trying to survive. We're trying to protect our land because it's right. And there are other people are like, you know what? Ah, uh, maybe maybe we, we 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 can let them slide because at least they're not taking all of our food. They're taking some of it. Some people are just comfortable and they don't want to take that risk and protect their land. I loved how eventually the village leaders are like, you know what? We can't take this anymore. So they decided to speak to the village elder and that village elder was like you know what you guys got to learn how to fight you got to find a way to protect your land and I, I i loved how eventually the three villagers they ride their horses and then they meet uh, chris adams and chris adams is like the heart heart and soul of this movie i think he was great in this movie and it's that's funny because the name of the actor what is his name yul brenner I, you know, I think he's like Russian in real life. I think you're right. Because I've heard the name
0: before. I'm trying to remember. I, I heard it in another film. They were referring to Yul Brenner. And I'm trying to remember what movie it was. Because I've some. it's something that I've seen multiple times for a reason. He was in the Ten Commandments.
1: Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. He was in the Ten right. Commandments.
0: Was, didn't he play Moses?
1: No, that was uh, Charlton Heston. Uh, I believe the oh. character. I can't remember the name of the character he played. But he definitely was in the Ten Commandments.
0: Definitely not Moses. Okay. <laughs> no, Cool. <laughs> So I do have a note here. It's from towards the beginning of the movie. Uh, there's a gentleman named Raphael who gets shot. He gets he got he gets shot twice. And there's a scene. He gets keep in mind he gets shot in the chest. So there's a scene like right after he gets shot, he falls to the ground. He's like face face down, and you can clearly see there are two bullet holes on his back. And I'm just like, wait a minute, this man got shot in his chest. And from my understanding, when a bullet pierces your body. Like that, even and even he wasn't that close. It wasn't close range. The the bullet, it's not it's is not going to go like a normal bullet, even when back then, it's not gonna go through you like that, where it would leave a mark on your back. So I understand they did it because they needed to show that he was shot, but it I don't know. Again, it's this 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 is me taking small little nitpicks uh, of an overall decent movie, but I just thought that was
1: weird because that's that's not how it would look. I didn't even realize that, but now, since you brought it up, yes, that certainly did happen. And it didn't seem tangible to me, but I felt like it didn't take me out the movie, but that, that is certainly a nitpick worth discussing. Yeah, so the three villagers, they ride their horses into town, but then they notice Chris Adams. They were like, oh, this guy's a awesome gunslinger. And Chris Adams has a friend named Vin... Vin Tanner. Ben Tanner. Yeah, he's a drifter in this movie. And they, they notice these guys are badasses. They ask Chris for help. They're like, hey, listen. There's these Mexican gangsters who are taking over our land. They're stealing our supplies. They're stealing our food. Please help us. And then Chris, at first, is like, you know what? I, I ain't trying to get involved. But then they're willing to negotiate. And you know the funny thing is? When Chris starts, Chris eventually agrees to protect their land. He agrees to fight back and help them, teach them how to fight. But it's so weird because... Chris is finding all these mercenaries and throughout the entire film, and he's offering what, 20 bucks? And it's funny, like at the time, that's a lot of money. But $20 is nothing today. It's, it's so hilarious.
0: I was thinking about that. I'm saying to myself, man, if anyone, if you ever went to a hitman and it was like, yo, bro, can you uh, take care of this? Here's 20 bucks. he will laugh in <laughs> your face. But back then, to your point, $20 was a lot of money. And I had to think about that because at first I'm just like, $20? That's nothing. <laughs> and I had to remember, okay, wait, this is a, a very different time when $20 was a lot of money. Uh, especially for, I guess, what they were doing. But they were also doing this job for six weeks. This was a six-week job. I'm like, you guys are getting $20
1: for six weeks? What? (laughs) Even the horse and buggy, I I can't remember the name of the character, but the guy was like, this horse and buggy cost me $800. That seems a little bit realistic. but 20 bucks? I I mean, I I guess 20 bucks is like $1,000 or maybe five grand. I don't know if I'm overestimating if I'm if I'm. Yeah, I think that's a, big, that's a big overestimate.
0: Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I okay. would probably put it. I would probably put twenty dollars like in like the hundreds, not okay. the thousands.
1: Okay, okay, okay. M- maybe not the hundred. Maybe not the thousands, but maybe twenty dollars back then is probably a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks, maybe. But at the time, that's a lot of money.
0: Yeah, and like you know, I I, I could see why they were all like, well, that's not very much uh, compared to I guess what they were used to. But there were a lot of them were in situations where like. This is all you got. Like you either take this job or you're or you really don't have any other any other source of income.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I I thought it was a little bit jarring at first, because if you're somebody who's new to the Western genre and you do want to watch an older film, that may not connect with you because you're like you're just like, wait a minute. Twenty dollars is nothing. But this came out at a different era. I'm sure this movie takes place in the 18 late 1800s. So, you know, for the time, I, I completely understand it. So eventually, Chris Adams decides to search. For a bunch of gunslingers to protect the Mexican villagers' land, right? So there's a guy in, in the movie. His name is Bernardo O'Reilly. He's supposed to be a uh, w- one of the members of the Magnificent Seven. He is the professional in this movie, and he's in need of a mo- uh, he's in need of money. So obviously, Chris decides to persuade him and say, "Hey, listen, I need you to help me. I'll give you twenty bucks." He, of course, agrees, and then. Uh, we find out that he is completely broke because I believe he was gambling and he lost a bunch of bets, and then he went broke, which was really really sad. I I thought it was pretty poetic that he decided to join Chris on their on his quest. Even though I, the thing is that he knows Chris, but I don't know if they were like best best of friends. I believe Chris and Vin were more had had a more compelling relationship.
0: Yeah, and he, like Chris and Vin, like literally just met at the beginning of the movie, and they had already formed a pretty decent bond after that that gun show. Now, here's the thing: there's a there's a scene where they're inviting, uh, or I guess they have like an open call for mercenaries who are interested in joining. So you have Chris. I think Chris is by himself with uh, with the guys who hire them, and then that one guy comes in who who gets the test with like the hands and like. uh oh, there's, cool. so there's one scene. Yeah, there's one scene where a guy walks in and uh, he wants to join the mercenary group, and Chris decides to test him with uh, some hand gesture that they do, uh, where he says, "You know, if he's good, he'll, you know, he'll know how to how to answer this kind of thing." And after the guy realizes that, like, he absolutely sucks, he starts crying and like leaves the room. I'm like, "Is this man crying?" Like, I've never, I've never seen that in a western before. Uh, I also found it weird how. Whenever someone knocked on Chris's door, he would stand up, stand a certain way, look at the door, and then go, come in. Like, he would stage
1: his standing before anyone walked in. I thought that was weird. You're talking about Chico, right? Yeah, Chico is also one of the members of the Magnificent Seven. And he is, is he's, he's very young. He's very, he's very ignorant. Now, I wouldn't say ignorant, but he's very uh, hot-headed. And and things don't go his way. He just has, like, he goes through, like, some sort of a trauma and a panic attack. There was a scene in the movie where he decides to point gun at Chris and his men. I can't remember exactly what happened, but I, I know he had, like, some sort of a nervous breakdown. And all of a sudden, he just collapsed.
0: Are you talking about the scene where they're, like, outside? I think it's Chris who's, like, sitting on the floor or something.
1: No, 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 no. They, they weren't outside. That that was That was before. I'm talking about they were inside of someone's home and Chico just loses his mind. He just has some sort of a meltdown and he points, he, he, you know, he, he, he draws his gun to Chris and everybody else. And everyone's like, Hey, relax. Like, 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 don't, don't draw your gun. But for some reason he just starts to shake and then he just collapses. And then Chris goes, sorry about the mess. I think they were in a bar. He goes, sorry about the mess. Uh, You can give him his gun the next morning. I was like, what just happened?
0: Did I miss something? Yeah, I think maybe it's uh, a good point. I, I remember the scene now, but I'm I i do not remember how it happened. Yeah, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe maybe his drink got you know you know ruvied or something, or maybe he was just really drunk and passed out. I don't know. But now thinking
1: about it, yeah, that didn't make very much sense. I don't know if I don't. I mean, I didn't fall asleep watching this movie unless I turned my head away for a brief moment. I don't know because I I did notice that maybe I, I should have rewinded, but I I I did notice that. He started to have some sort of a panic attack, and it was very out of ca- well. It, I wouldn't say it was out of character, but it was very abrupt, and I did not see that coming. It, it, it seemed like somebody roofied his drink, but I I, I got to go back and watch that scene because I can't remember exactly why that happened. It was just it, it was just it, it was out of left field for me because I I really don't know exactly what happened in that scene.
0: Yeah, you gotta let me know because I I don't remember specifically how he collapsed or like why i should i should say why he collapsed but i'm assuming it's either because someone slipped something that's in his drink or he may have just been really drunk and passed out
1: that sounds about right
0: yeah because chris's line following that where he's like you know give him his gun in the morning whatever it is it makes it sound as if he was drunk
1: and like passed out that sounds about right because chris chris apologized to the bartender and he says he gives, you know, he pays for the drink. He said, "Hey, listen, you can just give him his gun tomorrow, and you can also give him a drink." So it sounded like uh, Chico was very, very intoxicated, and he couldn't. And, and, you know, since Chico is, is a is clearly the youngest out of the mag out, and clearly that Chris it Chris, and clearly Chico is the youngest out of the Magnificent Seven, so he must have been very intoxicated, and he couldn't handle his liquor. And you know, you know what happens when you drink—you get all emotional. So that's what it is. I—I I, I think that's what happened because they never really addressed it. Because I don't remember anybody slipping a Mickey in his drink. So I'm assuming that's exactly what happened.
0: No, it's, let's let's go with that. Uh so there there is a scene where I don't know which characters. I want to say it's probably Bernardo. He's he's the character that gets really close to the two kids. Oh, that's Bernardo. Uh, towards Bernardo, yeah. So Bernardo, there's a scene where Bernardo is—I guess he's hiding behind a rock. And these two kids who live in the village walk up to him. They're like, just they want to be his friend. Like they're just trying to talk to the guy uh, because they, they admire him because he's he, he's brave or whatnot. And but there's a scene where uh, one of the kids goes, he starts talking to Bernardo about what they plan to do if he when he dies. <laughs> they're like, well, when you die, we'll uh, do this and this and this. I'm like, wow, they're not even like assuming they're going to win. They're just, they're just
1: assuming they're all going to die. It's crazy. But I thought that was really funny and cute. You know, what's very poetic about this film? how they for the most part most not all but some of the characters especially like the young kids and the characters in the background like two, who aren't very prominent in the movie they use a lot of different ethnicities in this movie like, like they use a lot of ethnic people in this movie there was certainly a lot of different people who weren't whitewashed some of the characters was whitewashed unfortunately the guy who plays calvera he he was he's a white guy the, the 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 old man in the village his name is like Vladimir Vladimir Skoloff or whatever his name he's 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 a white guy uh, even Chico unfortunately I thought Chico was played by a Hispanic man he's like Czechoslovakian or something like that but he's he's definitely not uh, of Latin descent but you know you know what's pretty cool I I am happy that they gave somebody a love interest in this movie and that was uh, Petra. Petra eventually falls in love with Chico and I thought that was really sweet because Petra was first of all she's a, she even though she was a very minor character Petra was afraid of everybody she was just afraid that the magnificent 7 was eventually going to was going to kill and rape Rape her, and that was very, very traumatizing. But yeah, I I did like the character Petra. But let me ask you a question, Chris. Before we continue with with the story, uh, who is your favorite character? I would say
0: Bernardo. I feel like you know the the the, the scenes that he that he's in. Uh, I like them a lot. I like his interaction with the villagers. I thought he was funny, kind of in, in a very like
1: sarcastic kind of way. But yeah, I would probably say him out of all of them. How about you? I thought Britt was pretty cool. Now I, we didn't get a chance to talk about Britt because he's the knife expert in this movie, and. There is something cool and badass about Britt. Like, I felt like he was very fearless. Nothing nothing bothered him. It, no matter what happened in this movie, he wasn't afraid to live or die. And I thought he was badass. I think he might have been my favorite character. But I think my favorite moment in this movie, before you ask me what's my favorite scene, I'm just going to tell you because it's 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 already on my mind. So there's a scene in this movie where the villagers come back and they attack and they're they're, they're, they're ready to, to steal more food and supplies, right? And this is the scene between Chico and Britt. So Chico says, that was the greatest shot I've ever seen. So we have Britt. Britt had his gun and was getting ready to shoot one of the uh, one of the Mexican gang members, right? He shoots and kills the guy off his horse. And then Chico goes, that was the greatest shot I have ever seen. And then Britt goes, the worst. I was aiming for the horse. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that like, was pretty funny. That right? was, that was my, good. That was my favorite favorite line. I lo- it's just it's just something that I expected, even though we don't know much about these characters, and that's what makes them more interesting. Th- I expected Britt to say that, and I love that dialogue between him and Chico. That was by far my favorite moment in the entire film.
0: So, since we're on that topic, uh, mine was the the first battle. Or the first time that the uh, the gang tried to invade the village while the magnificent seven were there like they were ready like they had uh the the villagers had guns and they were ready to go and that ended up going pretty well for them they ended up kind of pushing them back and had they had you know the enemy had to regroup and then they come back <laughs> and in like 15 20 minutes later and it does not go as well you start to see You know what the village is made of and how good they can be in a situation where they need to defend themselves.
1: Now that I think about it, since we're diving really deep into this movie, this movie is pretty damn good. (laughs) This movie is pretty good. It's it's certainly not the best Western. I mean, listen, I still have Django Unchained at the high bar because Django Unchained was phenomenal.
0: Well, I'm happy to hear that because we're about to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsor. But when we come back, we're going to be talking about the 2016 version of The Magnificent 7. But keep it locked here on the Reboot Rewind. And welcome back to the Reboot Rewind. So we just spent the first half of the show talking about the 1960s version of The Magnificent Seven, and now we're going to move on to the 2016 version. So I'll go into some movie facts, and we're going to skip the story because it's essentially the same thing. So the Magnificent Seven reboot came out in 2016. It was directed by Antoine Farqua. It was produced by Roger Bimbaum and Todd Black. The screenplay was written by Nick Palazzotto and Richard Wenk, and it was distributed by Sony Pictures. It stars Denzel Washington as Sam Chisholm. Chris Pratt as Joshua Faraday, Ethan Hawke as Goodnight Show, Vincent D'Onofrio as Jack Horn, byung Hun Lee as Billy Rocks, Manuel Garcia-Rufo as Vasquez, and Martin Sensmir as Red Harvest. Now, Jordan, what did you think about the Magnificent Seven reboot? In the
1: words of you, Chris, the main event. All right. This has got to be the most violent PG-13 movie I have ever seen. Like, it really, really is. Now, Chris, you know that I had a pretty good time with the original Magnificent Seven. I thought it was pretty pretty darn good, right? Antoine Fuqua, he's best known for the Oscar-celebrated movie Training Day. That movie was also starring Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke, ironically. I wasn't really blown away by this version of the Magnificent Seven because... It's it's unfortunate because this movie had a tremendously talented cast besides Denzel and Ethan Hawke had Chris Pratt, Visit D'Onofrio, Peter Starsgaard. But it's just one of those movies that I, you know, I somewhat, I I enjoyed it, but I don't really have that much interest in watching this movie again. Not because I, I hated it just because, you know, I saw it and it was like, okay, that was, that was decent. You know, it, it, I watched it. Okay. It was, it was Okay. It, it didn't, I don't know what it was, but it didn't really feel like a real movie for some reason. It just felt like a very, very long YouTube video. I, I really can't put my finger on it. It didn't have that movie magic that the first one had. And it's unfortunate because Antoine Foucault is a, is a pretty good director. He's not the best director ever, but you know he did movies like Sh- uh, Shooter. And he he also did Sno- Sno- uh, Southpaw with Jake's Gyllenhaal, which I really didn't care for. But you know he's he's a decent director, but uh, I don't know. I I didn't really love this movie. I didn't hate it. I thought it was alright. Maybe I gotta watch it again. But I really, I really couldn't get into the characters. But I'll I'll dive deep into the characters and the overall vision of the movie in a, in a moment. But it was okay. What about for you, Chris? What were your thoughts on the reboot for the Magnificent Seven? Meh. So I think we had similar experiences.
0: Where I mean, I expected this to be. Light years better than the original, right? So I think maybe I went in with some incorrect expectations. It was okay, right? There, there. I think the movie just has for the, for my, in my opinion, has a very flat feeling throughout the entire film. Like there's there are no points from like, oh wow, like this is kind of cool or like, oh there's action. It just feels like it's the same tempo across the, you know, all three acts. And I kind of see what you mean by YouTube video, like the way it's shot, just seems very. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to, Yeah, I don't. Also, I don't want to use the word, you know, unprofessional. But it definitely seems not like a normal film. And I, I also have a very, I have a difficult time pointing to what I mean by that. But you have to watch it to understand. Like, watch that, and then like watch a, a YouTube video on a Western. Yeah, I mean, we'll go into character in a second. But I, I thought, I thought it was fine. I wouldn't rewatch this out of choice. Like, it's not something I'm gonna, I'm gonna run to my TV and and put on anytime soon. But I thought I thought it was okay. it was okay. There there were some really good funny parts and some some good good action parts, and it's it's not unwatchable. I'll put it like that. Like it's 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 a decent movie. Again, maybe my expectations were set really high.
1: Maybe this is unfair because I'm so I'm a huge fan of Django Unchained, and I, I'm a huge fan of the way Quentin Tarantino directed that movie. And this movie didn't need to have blood squibs. It didn't need to be very violent. Like this movie got a, a, a this movie got away with a lot of violence in this movie this movie had a lot of well i wouldn't say a lot of blood before a pg-13 movie they definitely did a lot and i'm not saying this movie would have been better if it was rated r but i felt like the ingredients were there but i felt like if this was in the hands of a stronger director this movie could have been something special and i also felt like i okay so as for the rest of the cast, right? Chris Pratt was being Chris Pratt, and I'm not too sure if that's considered a positive or a negative. But I mean, he was enjoyable in the least. He was he was you know being Chris Pratt. He was having showing his Chris Pratts isms. It was it was fine. Uh, I love Vincent DiNapio. I, I love him as an actor, but here he was very annoying. And I know he's posted, I, I, I know Vincent D'Onofrio is known for playing very quirky and eccentric characters, but here, this didn't work for me at all. I I, I didn't like him as a character. I thought he was very annoying. I, I I hated his voice. Every time I saw him, I was like, okay, Vincent D'Onofrio, you can go away. I, I don't like you. You're not fun. You're not entertaining. In the least. And but I also think the main reason why I had a hard time connecting with majority of the characters was I couldn't look past the characters, meaning I had a, I had a difficult time seeing the overall characters. I kept saying, well, that's Denzel. That's Chris Pratt. That's visit D'Onofrio. That's Ethan Hawke. I couldn't see the characters on screen. It was very hard to focus on the overall experiences with the characters. I, I just kept seeing the actors on screen, I'm like okay, Chris Pratt, okay, Denzel, okay, Ethan Hawke, okay, visit D'Onofrio.
0: No, agreed. And I-, I like how you you put it into um, the in terms of like you know I-, I I that you only saw the actors because I I mean I agree. I to me it was like watching. Denzel Washington, Chris Pratt, Ethan Hawke, Vincent D'Onofrio, and all these other characters at a Halloween party, as opposed to actors in a Western. Uh, So I could totally see how you would feel that way. I would agree. I I don't think that the way it's written is well enough for me to forget the actors who are playing these roles. You
1: can have a really good director, a really solid cast, and a solid script, but if if you can't connect with any of the characters, and if you can't if you don't, if you can't deliver a satisfying, enjoyable experience, if you can't execute it well, it's 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 very you're going to be very very disappointed. And here I was, I was unfortunately very disappointed because I thought going into this movie, like you said, I thought it was going to be light years better. And, and and we're somebody who who likes the original Magnificent Seven, but what a, I'm not saying it's a waste of of talent, but what a waste of great talent. It, it's it, this movie just felt. It was just—I want to say it's poor, but you know what it felt like. It also felt like a a movie that was unfinished. It, it, it just didn't give me that true adventure. I, I you know what, it, it reminded me of—it's two different movies, but it's like that movie Cowboys and Aliens. Like I liked it, but I felt like I, I needed more. There, there was not enough meat. You know, it, it just felt like a, a a burger. It felt like a burger. That had a meat patty, but had no seasoning in it. It was like, all right, I, there's a meat patty. There, there's, there's also some cheese, but I, I, I felt like it wasn't seasoned well. I felt like they just put the meat patty on the grill, but forgot to season it. And that's what that's one of the most important things, the seasoning. I don't know if that's the best analogy, but I felt like there was something missing. And I, re- I was like, why, why am I not loving this? This should have been awesome. Like, this should have been amazing. And storytelling-wise, it was essentially the same thing. I mean, there was slight differences, especially with Denzel Washington's character. There was a little bit of backstory that felt more tangible and more believable, which I really liked. But other than that, meh.
0: Yeah, and like, I think the big, the biggest difference I noticed was, you know, they 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 swapped out a Mexican village for a village of white people. Okay. Uh, and they made the main character a female rather than a male, which is fine. I thought she was actually really good. But it is, you know, I thought those were those are really the, the the major changes because the rest of the story is pretty much the same as the original. They just obviously have different actors playing these these characters,
1: but there were some creative liberties taken. Damn, man, I really thought I was gonna love this movie way more than the original. I I, I was I was already prepared to say, Chris, this is a prime example of a remake that's better than the original. But here, it was not. I I don't wanna overestimate, I don't wanna overemphasize and say this movie was terrible. It was not bad. It was just very disappointing because I really, really thought I was going to enjoy this movie much more than than the original film, and that's unfortunate because they had they have come on, man. We got better sound, we got incredible actors. How do they mess this up?
0: Yeah, it really should have been a you know a home run, uh, but unfortunately, it was not. Uh, there. So earlier you mentioned the amount of violence or whatnot. So I have a note here. Uh, the amount of gunshots that someone can take is incredible in this movie. Like it seems. Like it's on the it's on the Scarface final scene level of incredible. Let's take Vincent D'Onofrio's character Jack Horn, for example. This man gets shot multiple times, and he and he's able he he keeps getting up, he keeps walking across until finally you know he, he dies. But a lot of these scenes, I'm like, especially back then, there's very little chance that that person would have survived if they've gotten shot that many times, especially not wearing any sort of protection, like a Kevlar vest or anything like that. I just thought that was weird. And I thought that was probably done just for extra emphasis on just the action. You know, if you're trying to, to recreate a Western, which for the most part tried its best to, well, I should say Westerns tried their best to align to some sort of rule book. In this movie breaks all the rules. You can get shot 18 times and still live. I don't know.
1: I agree. I, I was going to say the exact same thing with... With Vincent D'Onofrio, I was like, "Come on, dude! Like, he, he doesn't. There's nobody has a. I don't think bulletproof vests were made at the time. And how many arrows did he take? It just it reminded me of. Wait, did did you watch Hawkeye? I did. I loved it. Uh, okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in a minor minor spoiler for Hawkeye. So if you guys have not watched Hawkeye, turn off this episode of the reboot rewind and go watch it because I'm gonna throw in a big big spoiler. So Vincent D'Onofrio re- reprised his role as Kingpin in hawkeye which was surprising i did not see that coming right and kingpin is fighting the new hawkeye her her name is kate bishop and kate bishop is is shooting these dynamite arrows and explosions and he's taking these bullets to the like 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 nothing like he's taking these shots like a champ that's what it reminded me of here. I know it was a bit exaggerated, but clearly that was a very, very different Hawkeye from the Netflix... Uh, excuse me. That was a... Clearly, that was a very, very different Kingpin from the Netflix version of Daredevil and Defenders or whatever, right? But here, it reminded me of that exact same thing. I'm like, all right, dude. I I, I get you're, you're supposed to be a big character. You're supposed to be very powerful. But come on. like This movie... I didn't expect this movie to throw in some fantastical elements. I didn't think that Vincent, Vincent D'Onofrio's character was supposed to be superhuman.
0: Yeah, this man gets shot like 18 times. And I'm just like, okay, there's no way you should still be walking now. And he's he, these, these were all like, I think he got shot in the leg at some point. But he got a couple of shots to the chest that really should have ended his life. And he's like, no, nah, I'm still going to keep walking, though, because why not?
1: Yeah, and this movie's supposed to feel believable, so it doesn't. To be
0: fair, he's not the only one. This happens with there are multiple characters that get shot multiple times and are still able to walk. The minute you see that first one go down, which I believe happens right in the beginning of the movie, you kind of throw Ry- rhyme or reason out the window. You're saying to yourself, "Okay, now I'm in a different world where this just happens, and I'm gonna go with it because that's that's movie logic for you."
1: Also, you know, it was pretty. I-, I thought it was pretty effective with Chris Pratt's character uh, near the third act. I didn't see it coming. I was just like, "Oh, dude, they they're really gonna." They're really gonna kill this guy, and I, I thought he was going to survive there at the end. And he, he, well, he he died, right? Uh, oh, was it a dynamite? I, I can't remember exactly what happened.
0: Yeah. So basically, he so Chris Pratt's character, uh, who is Joshua Faraday, is walking towards the enemy. They're on top of this hill. They are they're on the high line, uh, top of this hill, and he get yeah he gets to 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 where the enemies are. And they shoot him they shoot him a bunch of times in this same scenario he gets shot like like four or five times in the chest and you think he's dead and he, he like rises back up like like the undertaker and uh-huh. his last um, his last move before you know his he ends his life he has this uh, I guess a TNT or some sort of explosive in it that he has on him that he sets off and ends up killing everyone in the vicinity but I'm like okay I really thought he was dead. And then he just rises up from the grave, and then that's where it ends. Or that's where like he ends up like killing everyone else. But it was like both weird and strange at the same time.
1: I thought it was pretty nice that the um, the bad guy allowed him to have his one last smoke. Ooh, his one last smoke. That was really nice. He goes, "All right, you can take this one puff, but then I'm just gonna shoot you in the head." But then well, out of nowhere, Chris Pratt pulls out a dynamite and says, "Effa, you guys are coming with me." And it was very similar to the original film because. Most of the Magnificent Seven die except for Chris Adams and this movie was it also Denzel? Denzel survives to this movie, and that's was it Denzel and that was it? I don't think anybody else. Pretty much died.
0: everyone everyone's everyone's dies. Everyone yeah. dies, right? Yeah, everyone dies.
1: Everyone yeah. Yeah. dies. So so you know, it was very similar. And I don't, listen, I, I don't mind that 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 this movie is essentially the same thing. I don't mind that. It's just I just wish it was just executed better. That's all.
0: I will say that the the movie or the world feels more lived in. Like I will say that it feels more alive than the original. But you, I mean, you can pretty much say that for most reboots if you're comparing it to a movie from the '60s. But I mean, that that would be one of the few highlights of the movie was that it feels like it's lived in, even though it, you know, the story itself, while the same as the original, didn't do very much to make it better. Uh, like I understand you're gonna if you're gonna use the same story, like it's fine, but find ways to make it unique. And in this case, they actually took things away as opposed to adding new things. Uh like if you notice there was never there was the original fight where they hold them off, but there was never a second fight where they get screwed, right? Like in the original there was technically three fights. There was the first fight uh where they push off the gang and then the second fight where the, the gang comes and gets gets the upper hand and the final fight where like everyone dies. In this version they don't even do a second phase. There's the first phase where they're defending the village and they hold them off for a bit and then there's a bunch of stuff that happens in between until we get to the end where there's the final fight. So yeah, they didn't really do very much to add to the original
1: story, but they did a lot to take away from it. I agree. That's that's the seasoning I was talking about. There was also a lot of there was no adobo in there, man. There was no there was no adobo. There was there was no pepper, there was no salt. It was it was it just there was something missing, and I felt like that big chunk, especially in in the second act of of, of this movie, there it was just it was very empty inside, and, and I it was just a missed opportunity. It certainly was. I I I really wanted to love this movie, but damn, I I'm sure there's people listening saying, "Oh come on, man, it wasn't that bad." And I'm not saying it wasn't that it wasn't that bad, but it certainly wasn't that good either.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I, to your point, this is another movie that it, it, it exists. It's, it out exists. There. it's out there. You guys can go watch it if you're curious. I however will not be the one to recommend it to you. And I, I it sounds like neither will Jordan. Uh but I guess I have to ask you. Uh did you have a favorite scene?
1: Probably the scene with uh Denzel near the ending of the movie when he is uh threatening Peter Starsgaard in the church and he tells him to pray and he does the uh uh Hail Mary what was I can't remember if it was a hell i think I can't, I can't remember what prayer it was it was either a hail mary or uh yeah I think yeah I think it was ha- hail mary in, in in the uh in the end I think it was, but um uh, that might have been the probably my favorite moment uh what about for you Chris what was your favorite scene
0: so it's it it's not it's a scene that's like that involves dialogue so there's this one scene to I think it's an act one where they, it's a really cool edit uh you hear the, the, the noise that you hear are the bells that, that they ring whenever the the um, the um gang is on their way or whatever. Uh, and they do a really cool cut where you hear the bell and then you see, like, cuts to all the Magnificent Seven. Like, I guess they're training or doing whatever they're doing or they're showing the, the townspeople how to defend themselves. But you see it goes from, like, bell. Every time the bell chimes, it fades to black and it leads to another scene. I thought that was really cool. For the... The not-so-magnificent seven.
1: I don't know if, if 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 it was a nice little Easter egg or a little tribute f- for the original film where when the, when the credits started rolling, they played the original music. That was nice to hear, but it just felt out of place because I felt like the music in the original film felt so heroic. Here, I don't know what it was. It just didn't feel right. You know what it's kind of like? It's like imagine watching Man of Steel And then they start playing the John Williams Superman music. It just doesn't really fit in that world. Like It's like weird to throw in that music. Because if you guys want to listen to the music, I'm sure you can go to probably iTunes or YouTube. If you type in the Magnificent Seven theme song, I'm sure if you type that in, you'll hear it. It's very heroic. I love it. But they played it in the end credits and it just... eh just didn't feel right in my opinion
0: compared to the original the music in this one just felt not totally in sync uh with the film um it's like to your point it's if you know you're you're watching i don't know let's say you were watching et and suddenly the avengers theme started playing when <laughs> et was <laughs> it's a, terrible it's a terrible example but get the point terrible example but just it. Ama- Imagine, imagine the ending scene where ET is going home and instead of you instead of hearing that nice music, you hear the, the da, Avengers theme. Like it just, da, 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 da. <laughs> it just doesn't fit. It'd be hilarious. And now I want to see just I wanna I wanna try try editing that myself. But yeah, I mean I think there were parts of this movie where the music just didn't fit. Here's an easy question for you then. Uh do you think the reboot holds up?
1: So sad to say, but Yes, no, I'm kidding. No, of course not. No, of course. It's no, oh, no, no, it's disappointing, man. And this movie was what? 2016? What a, what a, what a, oh god. It's no, this movie does not hold up whatsoever, and I will not be revisiting this movie anytime soon. What about for you, Chris? Does this movie hold up?
0: No, it does not. Uh again, this is this is not a bad movie. It's not something that we would tell you to completely stay away from. Give, give it a watch. You, know, you may have a different opinion. It's one of those movies where like, you either love it or you don't. Uh, but it does not hold up anywhere near the original. That's for sure. Now, next week, we are taking a bit of a turn of genres, and we're going to be talking about West Side Story. Now, I am super excited because I have not seen either of these, oh my uh, God, which is Chris. shocking. <laughs> I, know, I know. It's shocking to most people because I, I, most people have seen the original West Side Story. I know what the general story is about like it's that 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 is that is as much as my knowledge goes but i'm excited to talk about these two, two films next week you got really excited when i mentioned them so you seem to be really uh stoked for next week too
1: oh dude man yes i i'm very excited to talk about west side story uh number one i haven't seen it in a long time but i i i it's it's been many years so i cannot wait to revisit the original film. As for the new installment, I'm very intrigued because I started watching it a little while ago, but I just didn't get a chance to finish it for whatever reason, but dude, I'm excited. And I know the new uh version directed by Steven Spielberg, that movie is available on Disney Plus. Well, I'm super excited, and we hope you guys are too. But until next week, we ask
0: that you follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, we're on Facebook. We have a website rebootrewindpodcast.com. And we will see you next week for West Side Story. But until then, we will wish you a happy weekend, a great weekend. Uh, We hope you're having a great week. And we will see you next week here on the Reboot Rewind. Take
1: care, you guys. See you later.
0: You've been listening to the Reboot Rewind Podcast. To get in touch or suggest a reboot, send us an email at info at com. That's info at com. Thanks for listening.